Hey everyone, welcome back to This Is Not About Your Body. I'm Jesse Neeland and I'm happy to have you here and listening to my podcast. So today um, I wanted to talk a little bit about gender because I have been uh, doing some work in therapy and moving through some of what my depression has been about. And um, part of that involves my gender identity and my gender expression in ways that I'm not necessarily going to go into today, but have been really, really powerful and um, important for my own healing. And uh, yeah, it's just been like sort of mind bending. Um, but one of the things that has come up is I've started to talk to my inner circle, meaning mostly my family and close friends about my gender identity more. And, you know, I started talking about how I'm non-binary probably a year or two ago. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when I announced it to the internet, but around the same time, I thought to myself, like, my family members don't necessarily read this. I don't necessarily need to ever tell them. This is something I can get away with never needing to out myself about in a way that is too extreme because I pass as cisgender and I'm not going to do anything that will ever interfere with that. Therefore, I'm just going to sort of ride this privilege and not have to have conversations that suck, (laughs) that are hard or painful. So that was kind of my plan. And I'm now realizing that plan is not going to work. Much like being queer, being bisexual, I spent most of my life kind of thinking, well, I'm into guys and that would be an easier life and that would be more normal and then I wouldn't have to have a whole bunch of uh, loss of privilege and new obstacles and challenges and uncomfortable conversations and, you know, dealing with shame inside myself. Maybe I'll just skip all that if I end up with a guy. After all, I like guys and I like women. So, you know, this could just really be solved. But the problem with that is, I mean... It doesn't really work. I didn't really feel like I was getting to be myself, you know, and authenticity and self-expression are so important to me that once I realized that, it started to feel pretty uncomfortable. So in that, I came out over the last year or two to my family about being bisexual. And during all of this time, like it has to be said, I am partnered with a guy. So uh, it's a it's a sort of messy thing to talk about, but it's important that I do because I need transparency in order to thrive, right? So yes, there was a sort of ability to get by without getting too messy around my sexuality, but I decided, well, I need everybody to know for me to thrive and feel like I'm really being truthful. Therefore, everybody else has to have uncomfortable conversations with me and I have to deal with what it brings up that I'm you know, my dad knows that I've dated women, right? Like there's stuff in that that I've had to deal with, but it felt right. That said, all of that was way easier than this because saying I'm bi, I don't know, in some ways nobody really cared. They were like, okay, that seems weird or like a phase certainly invalidated for it, but nobody was like, that's sick, you're sick. Okay, well, actually that's not true. My dad did and does maintain that this is a mental health issue. Um, But that, all I can say about that is that my dad is wrong, you know? He's of another generation and he's wrong. And being queer is great. I love being bi, actually. I, I now understand it to be such a fundamental part of who I am. And 
my formative years, you know, both my struggles and my joys. Um, I can't believe it took me so long to, to really embrace it, honestly, at this point. But being trans, being non-binary, being a somebody who has fucked with gender and is going to continue to do so feels a lot harder. It feels really shameful, feels really painful. And I, so I had a conversation, um, sort of individually with each of my family members over the last couple of weeks. And I got different reactions. You know, one of my brothers was like, yeah, cool. Duh. <laughs> like he's already been using, uh, you know, they, them pronouns to introduce me and uh, staying away from gendered language for a while now because he's been more involved as I've been figuring this stuff out. Um, my other brother, however, he it seemed had never learned or understood that gender and um sex were two completely different ideas you know and so i had to start with him by simply explaining that gender is a social construct and so that was like oh well this is you know really basic um information that lays the groundwork for everything else i'm saying right because if you are not aware that gender is a social construct construct then it will not make any freaking sense to you how somebody could change it because his question was immediately like well how can you like argue with biology and i'm like i'm not arguing with biology i'm not sitting here telling you i have different genitals than i have like first of all that would be a very weird conversation and second of all you're right that wouldn't necessarily make any sense what i am telling you is that i do not identify as a woman and as I move through where I want to identify, I will be challenging a lot of the stuff that I learned was for me because I'm a woman. Now that I, I know that I'm not, I'm going to be challenging that stuff more directly, which means I might express myself in ways that are uncomfortable for you to look at. You know, like, I don't know where this journey is going, but let's say I shaved my head and start wearing men's clothes. Like, my brother was very much of the opinion everybody should just do whatever they want, but actually that would feel uncomfortable right for him for for other people you can't really just mess with the gender binary without questions and discomfort from the people around you so i wanted to have these conversations and i was excited to get to explore the basics you know with him and really explain the idea for example that um we are socialized to understand gender to be such a fundamental part of the container of our identity that everything is gendered. And if you identify with the gender you were given, you probably would never have noticed this. Like my brother, he was like, I mean, <laughs> it just fit him, right? He was this gender guy, it just fit. So he didn't have an issue with that. I, my entire life, felt that something was wrong in the way that people tried to understand me or they presumed about me. And it's not just about stereotypes. Like I'm not talking about, oh, people thought I was a girly girl. Why didn't I just be myself? I'm talking about... It's the simplest things, the most subtle things we learn in our conditioning. For example, um, people speak to a pregnant woman's belly when, when they find out that it's a girl. They speak to them in significantly higher tones of voice than when they find out it's a boy, right? Like just imagine people your whole life spoke to you in soft, quiet voices and then they talk to your brother like a person, you know? Uh, that's such a subtle little thing, right? I could never put my finger on it as a child. Like, I don't like how everybody talks to me in a sing-songy higher voice. And then they talk to you using a regular voice. Or another thing would be like the language 
um, the diversity of vocabulary used with baby girls is significantly higher than that used with baby boys. Now, for this one, I'm really glad because I'm a writer, right? I'm really happy that I was socialized with the one where language was supposed to matter to me. So people used automatically without ever realizing they were doing it. They used a significantly higher number of new words with me when I was a baby. It stimulated a different part of my brain. I get to be a writer now. Thanks, sexism. <laughs> like there's ways that worked for me and there's ways that didn't. But every single gift that I was ever given felt wrong. You know, like when you ask, oh, it's your kid's birthday and it's a birthday party. Is it a boy or a girl? And then you go to the toy section and you look at boy toys and girl toys. And I never felt like I was being given anything that really made me feel understood other than books. <laughs> I loved books. But like I got all kinds of stuff, easy bake ovens and dresses. And I hated, um, I hated pink and I hated just, I kind of hated all the girl stuff. I still kind of hate all the girl stuff. But like that did not stop people from buying it for me. Even people who knew me, my dad still gets me girl stuff. Like because it just made me feel invisible right? It made me feel like, oh, you don't know who I am. So you have to default to this one very wrong and weird container of information you think you have about me. And no matter how I act and no matter what I tell you that this doesn't apply to me, it's always what you're going to think of before you think of truly me. So there's this lifelong feeling of having been erased because my gender was wrong. The assumption around my gender was not something that I resonated with. And there's all these little things too, like girls are socialized to play face to face. Boys are socialized to play side by side. And there's reasons for this, right? Like there's different parts of what, what they call gender typical brain structures that support a lot of the containers and stereotypes we understand. For example, a lot of, you know, baby girls experience more of a reward system spike, like more dopamine more um, lighting up of their brains when they stare at a human face than a baby boy will. And not all girls, not all boys, but there's, there's statistical things that kind of back up how we then understand boys to like action better than they like connection, right? Um, it's how we end up with stereotypes like women like rom-coms and men like action movies. It all comes from something, but that something is not a perfect box. It's not like 50-50, and it's certainly not even like, you know, 48-48 with some outsiders. It's just, it's just a, a slightly more likely that a boy is going to sort of fit into certain gender brain boxes and likewise that a girl will. But because we know that those are just statistical likelihoods, not definitions and not like, you know, anything actually important to a person's character or identity in a way that makes sense for us to be basing an entire culture on, it just blows my mind that we end up with basically so many people who are struggling to get out of boxes that don't fit them and everyone else is like, get back in your box. We made these boxes for a reason. It's biology. Now, all of this, I also have to say, if you haven't heard of intersex people, intersex are the people whose genitals and reproductive organs and DNA are in between what we consider gender typical for male or female. 
Now, at this point, we're not talking about gender identity at all. This is just an interesting fact that I think helps really introduce a newbie to the concept that even sex is actually not as um, distinct of two binary boxes as we originally thought. So the biology, if you will, of male and female is what we consider like normal male and female organs, uh, genitals, reproductive organs, genitals, and chromosomes. But there are a whole bunch of other uh, mix and match ways that those things can show up in a person's biology. For example, you might have male genitals and female chromosomes or vice versa, or male genitals and female reproductive organs or vice versa. So there's all kinds of, you know, the sort of umbrella category for this is intersex, all kinds of intersex folks who don't fit biologically into this uh, binary of sex. So what's interesting about that is 3% of the global population is intersex. And 3% is pretty big of a global population. 3% is the same percent of redheads globally. So if you've met a redhead, you've met a person who's intersex, you know, like the odds that you run into one or the other are the same. It, they, that's how common it is. Now with that in mind, again, this doesn't have anything to do with gender identity because at that point we're still talking about biology. But what I love about that fact is that it starts to make you question the binary in the first place. Because there's something about science. People love science to be really, really like concrete and unassailable. And there's this idea that the gender binary or the sex binary is so concrete and unassailable and it's just freaking not. It's just not. And intersex folks prove it. They prove that gender is a spectrum. That, or at least that sex is a spectrum, that biological sex is a spectrum. What we take from there is then questions like, okay, well, let's say that someone who is intersex didn't identify with either gender either. What would you have them do? What would you have them express in the world? You know, because it starts to make you realize, oh my God, everything in our culture is based on the idea that you're supposed to be one or the other. You know, like what line do they stand in? What bathroom do they use? Um, do you speak to them in higher tones or lower tones? Do you use a lot of vocabulary or just a little when they're a baby? Like it calls literally all of our conditioning and culture into question to recognize that 3% of us don't fit this thing that was supposed to be perfectly unassailable. So it, it questions a lot just right there. And then on top of that, gender is a social construct because gender is the way that we understand ourselves in context with our society and in relationship with all of the conditioning that we've basically been taught, all of our socialization around gender. So if we lived in a society where uh, gender just didn't matter, like it was of no consequence, it had no role in our society, we didn't have gendered language, we didn't have gendered bathrooms, let's say we just could wave a magic wand and live in that society, would there be a need for anyone to have a different gender identity than what they were given? I don't know. Maybe not. You know, like if I was never called a woman and identified as a woman, I never felt excluded because I was a girl from all the stuff I wanted to do. And I never felt like I got pushback from people whenever I was identifying how I, I felt comfortable. Would I care? 
maybe not. I would just be like, ah, well, the words girl and woman are neutral and I, they mean nothing to me. So I don't have to rebel against them, right? Sometimes I think that. I think maybe in this magical gender neutral world that we imagine, perhaps there would be no need for transgender anything. I don't know. But that's part of the question I would say that all trans folks are asking right now is like, what is gender? Everybody in the gender space right now is having the most interesting conversations. Now, granted, they're interesting to me because I've spent my entire life thinking about this and like being upset about it. Um, so obviously this is like, I've put in my thousand hours. <laughs> this is a topic that really connects for me. If you identify as cisgender, then you, you probably spent a lot less time thinking about gender in your life than I have. And therefore maybe these topics are boring, but I love it. Also, I should probably apologize because it's like, you know, I make a lot of podcast episodes about gender. Um, but I love it because it's such an interesting topic to me. It's one of those ways in which it's such an invisible bit of assumption and it, it has massive implications for a person's life. It's a huge source of um, body liberation work because we're dismantling ideas that we took for granted. Men are like this, women are like this. Actually, wait, <laughs> what is a man? What is a woman? What does any of this mean? So for example, one of my favorite YouTubers is a transgender woman who, she talks a lot about wanting basically to be identified at a glance as a woman. She works really hard to come off to another person's eyes and ears and everything as just a woman, which is why for her, when people say, you know, I use she, her pronouns, what do you use? She feels like a little miffed at times. She says, of course, this is the right thing to do. But she's like, I feel like deep down a little miffed because like, can't you tell? Look at me. I've worked so hard to come off as a woman to you. And now here you are asking me to make a declaration, which is an interesting perspective, right? Because I don't know about you, but I certainly have learned that asking pronouns is the thing to do. And I will continue to do it because I actually do think it causes the least harm. But there's, there's something about the perspective that gender could be interrelational rather than just inside yourself, right? You know, if she showed up presenting to our eyes as a man meaning dressed as a man with masculine features, hadn't gotten any work done, used a masculine deep resonant voice, all of these things that we can just take at a sweep and say, oh, that reads to me as man, we would probably struggle to use her pronouns accurately, right? Because the association in our head would be so strong. But it's very easy for me to use her right pronouns because she does, she's, she's right, she reads as a woman. She gives us a performance a femininity that is so complete that there really isn't a question. And it's fascinating to be like, okay, well, she spent a shit ton of money looking like that, right? So what do we do with the fact that sometimes people don't have the money or resources or ability to change their appearance to read the way they want to be read, but they still identify that way? My brother, my little brother asked me that the other day. He's like, what do I do with the fact he, he said he wants to introduce me occasionally as using masculine language, like this is my brother instead of this is um, my sister or sibling. And I love this idea. I love this idea because there's a part of me that just is so giddy with excitement to be considered um, using masculine language and identities, identifiers. But I understand his question because the question is, but I don't look like a brother and therefore there will be confusion 
by whoever he's talking to, right? The person will be like confused, looking at me, trying to figure it out. Their brain will be doing the little like, you know, whirring thing where it's trying to figure out what does this mean? What, you know, what's happening? Is this transition one way or transition another? Or is, is he joking? Or like, you know, it, it just brings up questions. Now, I'm okay with those questions. I think that other people's discomfort is completely fine with me. But I do understand the question of, like, how do we hold that as a culture? How do we understand that gender is something that our brains have learned to associate with a whole bunch of signifiers that don't work for the whatever percentage of people are transgender and don't have the resources or ability or even interest to look different. Like right now, my hair is long. It makes me look like a woman. I get that. I'm into the long hair. I'm not going to change it. So I look like a woman. And if my brother introduces me as his sibling, nobody bats an eyelash, right? He's just chosen a gender neutral language to describe what they probably will think of as his sister. And that's pretty affirming, actually, right there. It's great. I love it. But if you were to say this is my brother, there's immediately this, like, chafing that happens of, like, but, but you don't look like a man. That's, that's weird. And if I were actually a transgender man who chose to keep my hair long, that starts to bring up questions like, well, then what even is a man? Now, again, I identify as non-binary, so this is all sort of just a, a playful exploration of gender for me in my life, not prescriptive in any way. But it does beg the question, how are we to understand gender then if it isn't the signifiers we were initially taught? If it doesn't look like the container we were originally given? How do we teach our brains to see different things when we meet somebody and they use a certain pronoun or they identify themselves a certain way and it doesn't jive with what our brains have held as this container for a lifetime. It's confusing. So, I mean, I don't have any answers, honestly. Like, this is forever the conversation that I find most interesting is the evolution of these concepts, the evolution of this language, the evolution of the way that our brains hold the containers themselves. Because right now, a bunch of kids in middle school and high school are talking to their parents and they're like, I identify this way and I think it's weird that you care. Like this is my gender identity. I'm trans. And honestly, like this is the most boring conversation I've ever had. And their parents are like <laughs> buffering, buffering. Oh my gosh, what does this mean? I got to go read a book. Um, I have to remember new pronouns. Like parents, we, we are old enough, right? Like to have a lot of thoughts and big, really binary containers for this, whereas kids don't. So if you teach them young not to have those containers, they're going to think those containers seem really stupid because they don't really work. You know, I, I can't think of anyone who perfectly fits this container anyway. And maybe I'm more trans than some people and less trans than others. And like, maybe this isn't necessarily anything other than proof that the binary sucks for almost everyone. Maybe it fits a few people perfectly. But even within that, I think people have to find a certain authenticity and a certain okayness with fighting the areas that they don't fit you know if you're a cisgender guy but you're you're sensitive you're like okay that's all right I'm a sensitive cisgender guy there's room for that there's a cultural trope around that but if I'm a cisgender guy who is sensitive and likes men and likes to wear dresses oh that's too much now it's weird 
There's no trope for that other than trance weirdness. You know, it, it brings people going, we want you to be authentic, but that's too much. You've messed with too many of the boxes that have to be checked to fit one category. And likewise, that's how I feel, you know, like I could just, this was my, my older brother kept asking, why not just be myself? And I was like, yes, but also (laughs) what is myself? If in fact I was never given this language, I was never given the option. I was never given these categories as a child. I did not learn what myself could be. So I am now 35 figuring out what myself can be and exploring it using the language of gender is helpful for me but I might not have had to do this had I just been given the option and language and concepts as a kid. I freaking hope that 30 years from now, everybody's just chill about it and there is no question. Like there is no transphobia, there is no um, social binary around gender. There's just a bunch of people who are who they are and they use whatever language feels good and nobody bats an eyelash. But for me, if I, for example, dress like a guy you know, I wear men's clothes and, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, even that, like just that I can dress kind of cute in men's wear, but most of the time, this is something I've been realizing. I have always femmed it up because that made it acceptable. Like I would wear the blazer and I would wear the button up and I would wear the, the, whatever, you know, sneakers or baggy pants or whatever the backwards hat, but I would always femme it up. I would put on um, a tinted lip balm or eyeliner or jewelry or whatever. Sometimes just the existence of my breasts would femme it up or my long hair would femme it up. Sometimes if I wore a binder or my hair was back, I would suddenly feel a really strong urge to add dangly, bright colored earrings, you know? And why? So that I get less pushback because there is a certain amount of conforming to the box that makes everybody's brains go, this is okay. I don't have any questions. You can rock a cute menswear look. You're adorable. What a fashionable woman you are in menswear. Whereas if if I don't femme it up and I do all of these other things and I stop checking all of those woman boxes, people start to ask questions. They start to chafe, you know, little assumptions that I have to correct over and over and over again. The other night I I asked my brother if I could borrow some clothes to sleep in because I was staying over. And I specifically asked him because the thought of like wearing a baggy t-shirt and sweatpants sounded awesome to me. And then another woman who was around suggested, oh, you don't want to borrow from him. You should borrow from me. I've got like comfy, cute clothes that you can borrow. And I was immediately like, oh my God, why would you think that? And then I realized it's because I'm a woman, right? Like I now have to explain to someone that I'd rather wear men's clothes to bed than women's clothes. It's not a big deal. It's just this one silly moment, but it's a million moments like that. If I'm engaging in my truth, if I'm being myself, I am constantly rubbing up against this friction. And that's why I believe I have to use the language and I have to talk about the concepts from a gendered lens. I can't just say, I'm just going to be myself you know, because it, it, it's uncomfortable for everybody. And the more uncomfortable it is for other people, the more uncomfortable it gets for me if I haven't prefaced it somehow with, I'm going to be doing a thing. So I announced to my family, hey, I'm going to be doing a thing. Just so that when they see me do a thing, they're not like, buffer, 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 what is this? 
and they don't push back and they don't suggest I, you know, my outfit would be more flattering if it were a little more fitted and they don't, you know, whatever it is, right? Like these are the obvious little tiny details that happen in people's heads all day long is they gender people. And for me, it feels like being misgendered. So I'm working through what that means. I don't know yet. I just know that it doesn't feel good to be considered and talked about and referenced to and interacted with as a woman. And like, I don't even know what that means yet. I don't know what a woman is yet. One of my big questions with my therapist is like, she said I have such a positive relationship with what I call like girl energy and boy energy, but I don't have a positive relationship with woman energy or man energy. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. And I don't know why. What is that energy when it's grown up? How can it still be healthy and, and joyful? And I don't know. So these are big questions. And this is why I love reading books on gender. Um, this is why I love following transgender folks. Like I think that they're the most interesting, courageous, uh, progressive <laughs> leaders and inspiration in the world. And I just can't get enough of it because to me, they are breaking down everything we need to be breaking down. And they are doing it, you know, they're like putting themselves on the front line. And that's one of the reasons too that I'm like, I can no longer just say, oh, I don't really identify as a woman and I'm gonna keep that kind of fringe in my personality and my life. I'm gonna put it front and center because it's true and it's always been true and I've never let it out because I knew what that would cost me in privilege. And I don't wanna do that anymore. So this is a big exploration. Um, but the only reason, and I might have said this on another episode, but the only reason that I would not use the language, I am transgender would be to distance myself from what I considered going too far transgenders, you know, like I'm transgender, I'm non-binary. I identify with a gender that is different than the one I was born with. I have crossed genders. I am transgender. And the, the shame that I feel about this, like the internalized transphobia that I have about this is stuff that I'm working through because it is very painful and present. I wish it wasn't there. It's there. I'm working on it. But like the only reason I wouldn't use that language and stand with my trans siblings in this world would be because I wanted to maintain a certain level of privilege and I wanted to keep a barrier between me and people who were basically being so marginalized and that's not true you know I'm I want to put myself on that front line too and I want to challenge this in everybody who meets me I want every single person who meets me to know this is what a transgender person looks like so that we can break down some of the stigma and association bit by bit conversation by conversation that's it I guess that's all I want to say about that today I am forever evolving, transitioning, considering, exploring. Um, my therapist called the work with me <laughs> very adventurous. And I love that. I think of it that way. It feels like an adventure. And this next adventure is so exciting to me. And it feels so good and so relieving and so liberating. And even just naming it, saying, I am going to do some gender liberation work feels incredible and has lifted a lot of my depressive symptoms over the last couple of weeks. So with that in mind, I just want to challenge some of the views, share with you where I'm on 
where I'm at with this journey and invite you to consider your own journey. Like if you are cisgender, how do you know? What do you consider to be the markers of your gender? How do you know you're a cisgender man or woman? And if you don't, how do you know you don't? What do you consider a man or woman to be? And where do you place yourself? And how, how do you know that feels more right to you? It's just a fascinating conversation. And again, nobody has the answers. There's no one right you know, um, expert on <laughs> being transgender. There's just a bunch of people having fascinating conversations all over the world and internet right now. So um, with that in mind, I did want to give a shout out to ContraPoints is the um, woman that I love, the, the YouTuber that I love. It's called ContraPoints is her channel. And she just breaks down topics that are so incredible. And a lot of them revolve around being transgender. Um, I think she's fantastic. She also has a really incredible episode on JK Rowling and how JK Rowling is transphobic and how to hold that understanding um, and really break down like what is and isn't problematic about that in a world that kind of just shouts nonsense and, and climbs on board any, uh, any movement. It's a really, really great video and I highly recommend it. Um, and I just highly recommend her in general. And uh, I think that's it. Thank you for listening, exploring, and thinking about body liberation with me here. I sincerely hope that this was of value in some way, whether it made you think or helped you understand or connected some dots. Um, this is one of the reasons that I'm so, so passionate about um, transgender rights for others and particularly for transgender kids because I just know how much different my life would have been had I been given this language these options, these concepts from a young age. And I want that for other people. I want them to not have to go through what I went through and feeling like I was just the wrong kind of person my whole life. Um, yeah. Thank you. And if this was of uh, value to you and you love my free content, feel free to head over to Patreon. I am on there as Jesse Neeland and or uh, the Buy Me Coffee app, also Jesse Neeland. And uh, feel free to leave, leave a tip or um, subscribe and support me on a monthly basis because I do make a lot of free content for y'all breaking down this stuff. And I love doing it. Um, and a lot of people ask me, you know, where they can support the making of more. So that's where. And awesome. I will catch you next time. Thank you for listening.